circle centers for Cousins, a shot, and he scores. Dylan Cousins makes it 3-0 Lethbridge. Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand, scores! Up to the blue line, Vandalese, the effort, tip, scores! Carson Folk is Mr. Teddy Bear! A deflection. Oh, he scores! It's over! It's over! Game 7, overtime, hero! Welcome to the WHL Podcast. I am Zach Hodder, the Manager of Player Development for the Western Hockey League, and your host for this week's episode. we got a pretty good show today, not going to lie. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. I have a very good interview, thanks to Tara Sloan from Sportsnet, the host of Hometown Hockey. And we're going to check in with Portland Winterhawks' third-round selection from the 2019 WHL Draft, Kyle Chazowski. See what he's doing getting ready for the start of the Western Hockey League schedule on January 8th. But before all that, let's hop in to the news and notes. Fifteen WHL players are heading to Hockey Canada's National Junior Team Sport Check Selection Camp, which is scheduled for November 16th to 13th in Reggie, Alberta. The players representing the Western Hockey League are goaltenders Dylan Grand from the Kamloops Blazers and Taylor Gauthier from the Prince George Cougars, defenseman Bowen Byron from the Vancouver Giants, Caden Gooley from the Prince Albert Raiders, Damon Hunt from the Moose Jaw Warriors, Caden Korzak from the Kelowna Rockets, Matthew Robertson from the Edmonton All Kings, and Braden Schneider from the Brandon Wheat Kings. On forward is Adam Beckman from the Spokane Chiefs, Dylan Cousins from the Lethbridge Hurricanes, Gage Gonsalves from the Everett Silvertips, Ridley Grieg from the Brandon Wheat Kings, Seth Jarvis from the Portland Winterhawks, Peyton Krebs from the Winnipeg Ice, and Connor Zeri from the Kamloops Blazers. Kirby Dock, formerly of the Saskatoon Blades, has been loaned to Team Canada by the Chicago Blackhawks. Staying with the Hockey Canada Saskatoon Blades theme, the Blades have hired National Junior Team video coach Tyler Dietrich. Dietrich is a former teammate of Mitch Loves in both Moose Shaw and Everett and will round out the Blades coaching staff along with Ryan Marsh. That's all for the news and notes. For everything Western Hockey League, follow us on Twitter at the WHL. Our first conversation today is with the incredibly talented and multifaceted Tara Sloan from Sportsnet. Hi, today I'm talking with Tara Sloan, who is, of course, found her home, really, at Sportsnet, where she is currently the host of Hometown Hockey with Ron McLean. Tara, how have you been adjusting this pandemic, and are you ready for Halloween tomorrow night? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I live in Toronto now, so Toronto is um, has been told that we shouldn't have uh, trick-or-treating in the city, so I'm actually witnessing sort of a uh, a difference of opinion between some parents on Facebook groups, those who are going to let their kids go out to trick or treat and those who are not. So it actually could get interesting and weird, uh, but we're ready. We have our own stuff going on in our backyard tomorrow. Um, and I mean, how am I adjusting to the pandemic? I mean, I think, you know, none of us um, feel fully adjusted. I guess it's probably we're better off than we were eight months ago, but it's, it's still really hard and um Toronto's spiking so it's we're kind of rolled back in terms of what's open and available and but all things considered we're a happy healthy family I'm still gainfully employed and so we're doing okay yeah I mean you know as as bad as it is you still have your family you still have your health and you still have a job I mean 
for a lot of us, it's that's something we just got to keep going back to. But I want to go back as well to the start of your career. Um, you know, I read that you moved to Wolfville, Nova Scotia, which is the home of Acadia University, a place where I got healthy scratched on many occasions during my youth <laughs> sports career. Oh, and, ah, don't be sorry. Didn't try hard enough. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's also where you found your passion or at least your your inkling to explore your musical side. Where did that come from? And did you ever expect when you were 12 and 13 years old that you would be the lead singer of a Juno nominated band down the road? No, I mean, I think I come by my musical fascination, honestly, in some ways. My dad is a, he's a lawyer, but he's also a musician. He has his own studio and he plays guitar. He plays everything really. Um, so I grew up listening to a lot of uh, rock music, but I actually gravitated towards classical music and I just, that was my own love that I found. So that's what I studied all through high school and into university. So never really saw myself as a rock singer, even though I loved that kind of music. And um, I just jumped in. I, I ended up joining a rock band, didn't know if I really could do it and um, got my first taste of that when I was in university in Montreal. And then I moved to Toronto and answered an ad in the paper and there it was. That was a band called Joy Drop and we ended up putting out two albums and we're nominated for Juno and we did the thing like we did it for real. Yeah, you guys really did it for real. And <laughs> what I think is so cool, you know, I play the guitar, not obviously at the level you guys did, but I just can't imagine writing a song. And what does that feel like to write a song and then to sing it and perform it with those guys and then to share it with people? And I mean, even what in 2017, I think you guys did a reunion uh, show on Halloween and you still have fans to this day. How, how does it feel just to know that something that you made has impacted other people? It's amazing. I mean, it's, I really, I hadn't really tried my hand at songwriting before I joined Joy Drop. So they, you know, being part of that group really gave me the courage to trust myself and to do so. So um, it's an intimidating process at times, but when it comes to fruition, it's incredible. And um, so I give my bandmates a ton of credit and then to see what impact songs can have. We had a single called beautiful, which was our very first single it came out in 1998. Um, and that was written our, by our drummer, but the, the message is very much like, I'm not beautiful. Like you, I'm beautiful like me. So I think it resonated with a lot of people across North America and we would get people coming to up after, uh, up to us after shows or letters from people saying like, you saved my life. Like I needed this song at this point in my life and um, you helped me make it through this time. So it's, it's moments like that, that you, you kind of live for the, the fan artist connection. And it's amazing that it resonates to this day. Well, you had a very successful run with Joy Drop. And then you, during that same time, actually, you were started your acting career. You were on several Canadian shows, including with Femme Nikita, which was actually the number one cable show for its first two seasons. And then you transitioned after it was over into um, broadcasting, into Entertainment Tonight, as well as your own show, Inside Jam. But when you make that transition, you didn't have any formal background training in journalism. So no. <laughs> not at all, right? You really no. jumped in as a fish out of water, but I wonder how much the stage performance aspect of being in a band, being the lead singer of a band, helped you transition to being going from being someone who was interviewed to interviewing, you know, 
incredibly famous people, as well as some people that you probably never met in your life. And you did 20 minutes of research before they showed up. So do you think that gave you the confidence to do that? I think it was, yeah, it was all, you know, I was able to call from all different facets of my life. I went to theater school. So, you know, obviously there's a performance aspect of speaking and singing in front of crowds and not feeling intimidated in that arena. Uh, but I, I think most of all, I knew what it was like to be the subject of a bad interview. You know, I did so much press with Joy Drop and we had some great interviews and, and you know, really interested, engaged journalists. And then occasionally you'd make a call to some radio station in Little Rock, Arkansas. And the question would be, tell me about your album or sort of similarly vague, somebody who's maybe just taken a look over your, your bio really quickly. And so I felt like I knew as an artist what I wanted to be asked. And I think that that helped me. So my first foray into the world of TV broadcasting was as an entertainment reporter and, and producer. So it was sort of, I think it was the right transition for me. And, you know, and then I moved into sort of a, a a broader spectrum of, of what I could do. But I was also just really, really lucky that I, I wanted to jump in and there was an executive producer who wanted to give me that opportunity. So it was the right confluence of, of right timing and right place, right time, as they say. Yeah, you took the opportunity, you ran with it and people watch you now and they watch the way you interview and how good your questions are and how you seem to know so much about the people that you're interviewing. And they think you've just been able to do that from the second you stepped in front of the camera. But when do you really think you started to own and really be able to go into every interview knowing that it's going to be great when it, when you finish it? I mean, I don't think I even know that to this day. Um, but I stand firm always in saying that you rise or fall to the level of your preparation. So, you know, even if things get shaky or you're kind of not, you haven't created the, the right space or container, you know, the right rapport, maybe at least you have to be armed with the prep. And so that is my sort of number one, you know, I will, I have made the mistake of going into interviews not adequately prepared and it's very embarrassing. And so the only thing that can hold you down when things start to get a little shaky is just being, being ready and knowing your stuff. So, I mean, I'm never sure an interview is going to be amazing, but I can be sure that I know what I'm talking about. What's funny is you're talking about uh, the pro like the five P's proper preparation prevents poor performance, knowing your audience, knowing being prepared. But the next stage of your career in 2010, you moved to Calgary, where I read that you only knew two people in the entire city <laughs> and you became the host of CTV breakfast television here. Also, you had to wake up at 3 a.m. every morning for that show, which I'm sure was a complete shock to your system. <laughs> uh, it really was. Yeah. I guess two questions on that. Number one what was that first year on that show like? And number two, why did you decide to make the choice to come out to Calgary? Well, like I said, I've been working in Toronto at a this small station called Sun TV and felt like I was ready for the next step. And I was presented with this opportunity. I, I knew, you know, holding down a, a morning show is, is a big job. And it certainly, I, I don't think I would have, ended up in a major market. I certainly couldn't have gotten that job in Toronto at that point in my career. 
So I, I had to take it. It was like, if I'm going to really move up the ranks and also learn on the job, I mean, there, I think there's no, there's no better training than working, you know, on a marathon of a TV show with all the variables of live TV, right? So it's three and a half hours of live television a day. So it just, it, I, I couldn't say no. My husband is an Albertan. So he, you know, he knew Calgary very well. So I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody there, but he, he was familiar with the city, but it was really hard. My daughter was just one. Um, so I was going from a maternity leave year to, you know, leaving her and uh, getting in the car at 3.50 to be at work at 4 a.m. And it was, it was a, it was a hell of an adjustment. It was very hard on me physically. I, I don't think I ever got used to the hours. Um, and again, when you're learning on the job in front of a live audience, it's also hard. So I think I, you know, I made lots of mistakes and for sure people noticed <laughs> at times and some of the feedback was challenging, but I, I feel like I found, found my own voice there. And I really actually, I loved it. I always wished it was, was uh, brunch television, but I really, I, I don't think I ever laughed as hard as I, I did on that show. Uh, you might've laughed a little bit because of the lack of sleep and <laughs> just. Yeah, we're all goofy. <laughs> yeah. We've all had like 15 cups of coffee, um, but we had a great rapport as, as a team on that show. And it's kind of becoming a theme in your career is you're willing to take risks. You're willing to try new things because in 2014, hometown hockey started. You're there for the inaugural season with Ron McLean. What is what is that first year like? And what is it like to be the host of a show that hasn't existed until you get there to be a part of it? Because there's no infrastructure to go back and look on. It's all on you to figure out the voice of the show and how you're going to present it. Well, really the first year it was Ron's show. So I was brought in along with Jennifer Botterill, the uh, Olympic gold medalist as kind of a more peripheral role. We were more like reporters. So we would be out in the crowd talking to Eric Lindros, for instance, that was our very first show in London, Ontario. So I did about half of the shows in the first season and I was still hosting the morning show in Calgary. So that screwed me right up because I would, you know, fly out to Regina or St. Catharines or wherever some of those locations were, kind of get on the normal schedule, fly back, take a day off and then get back on the, the BT schedule. So but it was really exciting. I mean, I, I threw my hat into the ring for that show specifically because I was interested in, in exactly what it was going to become and knew that, you know, Ron is a passionate storyteller and I felt like I really wanted to be a part of it. And so it happened very organically that I became the full-time co-host. I moved second season. I became a full-time, um, sort of a semi-host and then it was really the third season that I became full-time on the desk. What's interesting now is when I talk to people about hometown hockey they say you they see you as the face of the show and not Ron McLean so it's kind of that transition wow. where it's now you're yeah that's <laughs> and I'm not even saying that just to make you feel good that's when I told my parents I was like oh I'm interviewing Tara Sloan they were like oh the she she does the hometown hockey and I was like well wow. her and Ron McLean and they were like but her um <laughs> <laughs> but um you know through that you've been to all across like 
all across Canada. You have been to some beautiful places and you've been to some other places, but which <laughs> has been the place that has pleasantly surprised you the most? Pleasantly surprised. Oh gosh. I mean, I think that there, you know, it's, it's always about the people really. I mean, the geographical beauty is we know, you know, there are certain places that are just like jaw dropping. Um, Prince Rupert last year was shockingly gorgeous, but it shouldn't come as any surprise because it's coastal Northern British Columbia. And it's just, it's, it's a stunning part of the world. You know, it's just, it's always about the people and the stories. And I think what's been the most surprising, it's not so much about the landscape. It's been about people's willingness to share their stories with us, but also trusting Ron and myself to be the um, ambassadors on behalf of Prince Rupert or wherever it is, and to tell the stories to the rest of the country. Like that has been kind of this revelation and and I just I feel so so much gratitude towards all of these people that we've met in all of these communities and I would say another surprise and I've been very vocal about this is you know Ron and I both learned a lot about First Nations in in Canada and Indigenous communities and so for us also to have the opportunity to be in um, two First Nations in the last couple of seasons, that has also been an incredible growth experience and, and hopefully a learning experience for people who are watching. And it's just a, another aspect of your career where you get to help tell stories for people who might not have had the opportunity or the access to have their stories told. And it's, mm -hmm. you guys have been all across Canada doing amazing work for the past, you know, since 2014, I'm terrible at math. So I think it's seven <laughs> six, years. It might six, be six, who knows? Six seasons. Yeah. We just finished our sixth season and uh, fingers crossed there'll be a number seven. Well, the last thing I want to talk to you about is your current series you're working on called Top of Her Game. Uh, it's on Sportsnet. It's kind of like this where you're interviewing some pretty famous people through Zoom. Uh, just an example, you've had Kim Davis, who's the executive vice president of the NHL. Uh, Blake Bolden, who is the first African-American female scout. She's with the Los Angeles Kings, as well as Becky Scott, a, an Olympic gold medalist. And for those of you who don't know Becky Scott's story and how she got that gold medal, definitely take a look into it because it's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. And she just finished her term with WADA as the representative for Canada, I believe. Through this series and through talking with all these women who have achieved so much, what have you learned from them about their success, their journey, and their struggles? Um, well, I end every broadcast by asking them what they, what advice they would give to a younger self, unless they're like, I, we have a nine-year-old coming up. So I didn't ask her that. The <laughs> surfer, <asked> right? <laughs> no, that was, so we had a 16-year-old, 17-year-old surfer and a 10-year-old skateboarder. Skateboarder. But in our upcoming episode, there's a, we have a nine-year-old WNBA reporter who is, will blow people's minds. She's oh my goodness. Most of our guests, we ask, what is your best advice to your younger self? And I would say most of the answers center around uh, enjoying the journey, you know, slowing down, paying attention to what's happening as things are unfolding. And, you know, I have the same, I have the same feeling about my earlier career. I wish that when I was doing the whole music thing and touring North America and playing 200 shows a year, I wish that I had taken more time to really absorb what was happening at the time. So it's just a really nice reminder that 
you know, even these wildly successful women like Kim Davis, um, like Steph, Steph McMahon and Charlotte Flair, like these women also wish that they had taken more time to stop and smell the roses. So I think it's just for, for any of us, you know, we, we move very quickly. So it's nice to slow down. Life is long, even though it feels very quick. And uh, that's great advice for everybody. Thank you again, Tara, um, for taking time out of your day. I know you're incredibly busy right now, and I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it also. A big thank you again to Tara Sloan for taking time out of her day, as well as Corey Leonhart from our office, who used to be her co-worker on Hometown Hockey. Up next, we have Kyle Chizowski from the Delta U18 prep team. He's a prospect of the Portland Winterhawks, and he's part of the Next Generation series we're doing, which just highlights and catches up with some prospects and some, some new players for the Western Hockey League that we expect to break into the league this season. So without further ado, Kyle Chizowski. Wow. Uh, I am talking today with the 2019 third round pick of the Portland Winterhawks. He went 58th overall. He's currently playing at Delta Hockey Academy on the U18 prep team. That is Kyle Chizowski. Kyle, how has the start of this year been for you? Uh, yeah, it's been good. Um, team's been really good. We got a couple of guys who uh, are with WHL teams uh, also waiting for camp. Uh, it's been a good start to the year. Obviously, we didn't know what was going on. So uh, I think it worked out pretty well going back to Delta. Well, let's turn back time a little bit here. Let's go back to last season. You got your first chance to go to a Western Hockey League training camp. What was that like for you getting to go down to Portland and get to see what the Winterhawks are all about? That was awesome. I always knew Portland had an awesome facility and a really good team. And the players there were first class, coaches first class, everything. It was awesome seeing you know, older guys, seeing kind of what to uh, look up to. Uh, a lot of uh, high-end uh, picks, Seth Jarvis, who just went 13th overall. You know, those are top players that are probably going to play in the National Hockey League soon. Yeah, one day that might be you too. It's, you know, the, the thing about hockey is it's so funny how you're you're about to go to your first opportunity to make a team. And three years from now, you could be going to your first NHL training camp. It happens so yeah. quickly. It's such an exciting time. But you Definitely. have bloodlines in the Western Hockey League. Uh, several of your cousins have played. Have they given you any advice on what to expect uh, when you actually do get the opportunity to play in the Western Hockey League? Yeah, uh, Ryan, who plays in Medicine Hat, uh, I've talked to him a lot. You know, he played at 16 in Medicine Hat. And also my other cousin, Nick, who played in Kamloops. You know, they kind of told me just, you know, be yourself. And also my uncle, who has to uh, told me, you know, what to go on. He was a coach in the WHL also, so he kind of knew you know, what I should be expecting and just, you know, play my game and all that. Yeah. And your, your uncle actually works at Delta hockey Academy. He's the head coach of the U18 female prep team. I'm sure he's a great resource for you. When we're looking back on this year though, uh, you know, right now is a real awesome time for development. And what do you think that your game needs to improve for you to be, uh, you know, an everyday player at 16 and 17 in the Western hockey league? Yeah. One thing, uh, you know, I've been working on a lot on and off the ice is being stronger with the puck. Uh, not getting knocked off because, you know, going to the next level, players are a lot stronger, a lot faster. So you got to be able to handle a puck and, you know, not get pushed around. You know, watching you play over the last couple of years, you're, you're a small, shifty, incredibly fast player who plays the game at a very high pace. If you could describe the way you play to somebody that's never seen you, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, uh, I think I see the game really well, reading plays. And, uh, you know, I'm a playmaker. And uh, I like to kind of push up the pace, uh, quick feet and, you know, just drive the, drive the speed. When you will look at the NHL right now, who's a player that you watch and you say, that's the type of style player I want to be. 
Uh, yeah, one guy who uh, my coach always said was Jonathan Taves, a two-way center, which I've been center my whole life, and just kind of gets it done uh, on both sides of the ice. Well, let's move away from the rink now. Uh, you, you know, there's more to hockey. I mean, there's more to life than just hockey. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of things going on outside of your life. Do you have any movies that's, uh, or a movie that's your favorite, your go-to movie that you always love to watch? Yeah, my brother just got back from uh, from hockey. He We uh, watch Batman uh, Arkham Knight a lot. So that's probably my favorite movie. That's your favorite movie. What about if you go for dinner, anything you want in the world, what are you ordering? Jeez. Um, I think I just got to go with the classic steak and, and uh, baked potato. Baked potato. Where is your favorite place to go on vacation? That's a really good question. Uh, I've never been there before, but I've always wanted to go on a safari in Africa. My last question for you. If you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, who would it be? It would probably be David Blaine. He's a magician. that I, uh, I just watch his videos. He's a, he just seems like a really cool guy. It's pretty chill and uh seemed like he'd be a cool guy to have dinner with yeah he's done some really cool stuff and some really weird and disgusting stuff at the same time yeah yes uh kyle thank you again so much for taking time out of your day i wish you all the best as you continue with uh, delta u18 prep and get ready for training camp in early january thanks zach that's it for this week's edition of the WHL Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Cotter. You can follow the Western Hockey League at the WHL. A big thank you again to Tara Sloan and Kyle Chazowski. I hope you have a great rest of your week and tune in for our next episode, which will drop on Wednesday of next week.